One of Pang and I, our goals for 2021 is to declutter and get rid of useless things around the house that we don't use. I made my first trip to Goodwill to donate some of the stuff that we don't need, and I anticipate on going to Goodwill some more to donate more stuff. On the top of my list, I've got this crutch. It's so useless, I can't find the other pair to it. Now, about three years ago, they were extremely useful because I'd rolled my ankle really bad, and so it was really helpful to have them support me. But since then, they've been sitting next to my coat hanger collecting dust. Curious, what about you? Do you have anything useless around your house? And if so, do you mind sharing them with us in the comments? Go ahead and let us know what they are. I'd be curious to know what some of those some of the your use use some of your useless items are. Couldn't get that out. Well, in light and in thinking of useless items, did you know, like my crutches, did you know that there are things that are useless to Jesus? Let me say that again. Did you know that there are things that are useless to Jesus? And unfortunately, one of those useless things are churches. So it makes me wonder, how do you, how do I know if our church river life is useful to Jesus or not? And then more importantly, because the church is made up of people, how do you know if you or I are useful to Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's kind of a scary thought to think that we could be useless to Jesus. Thankfully, the Bible gives an gives us an answer of how we can be useful to Jesus. And the answer that Jesus gives us is a little weighty at first, but I'm going to encourage you to stick with me because when we understand the entire concept, it's actually really beautiful. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22 today, and this is what it says. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, in order for us to understand what's useful or useless to Jesus, we need to get a little context of Revelations to understand this passage. 
Revelations is the last book of the Bible, and the author wrote it to seven specific churches after the author received visions about Jesus' return. The theme of Revelations encourages Christ followers to stay faithful in Jesus by standing firm against persecution and false teachings in preparation for Jesus' second return. The author, who's John, informs seven churches that Jesus is well aware of their situations and what is preventing them from standing firm in the truth and tells them what they need to do. Laodicea is the seventh church that Jesus addressed. And this, is the, and this church has some issues that we can relate today in light of answering the question if we're useful or useless to Jesus. You see, Jesus describes the church as neither cold nor hot. And because they're neither cold or hot, they are lukewarm, causing Jesus to spit them out of his mouth. In some translations, it goes as far to say that because they are lukewarm, Jesus will vomit them out of their mouth. So we can kind of so we can get an idea here that Laodicea, the church in Laodicea, was useless. And to better understand this, let's learn a little bit more about the city itself. Although Jesus considered Laodicea to be lukewarm and something that he would vomit, it was actually a thriving city. They were financially prosperous. They were the center of fashion with their infamous black wool from the sheep that they had raised. And they had a renowned medical school with ointment that could cure an eye disease so people could see. Now, as great as Laodicea was, the one knock on them was their water supply. And Jesus uses this as an illustration to show them why they're useless. Now, there's nothing to be afraid of if you like to drink, to, to drink lukewarm water. I personally like mine ice cold. How about you? Feel free to let us know in the comments your favorite temperature of your water. Do you like to drink it ice cold, lukewarm, or steaming hot? Now, remember, the Bible is written in ancient times, and so we live in a time where we can change the temperature of our water with a turn of a faucet. But in ancient time, water supply was very different. Laodicea, as as a thriving city as they were, had no immediate water supply. So they had to build pipes that brought water from the springs. And although these springs would initially supply either hot or cold water, by the time the water reached the city, it became lukewarm. Along the way, the water also collected a lot of minerals and from, from the pipes that they ran through. And so by the time the water reached the city, not only was it lukewarm, but it also developed a bad taste from all the minerals. Think about maybe a remote campsite that you've been to where the water has a metallic taste because it comes from the well instead of the tap. You see, hot water and cold water were useful for many things. Hot water could be used to be bathed in or heal people from their sickness, and cold water offered a refreshing drink. But Laodicea's water was lukewarm and disgusting and completely useless. The temperature and the taste of the water was so bad that, again, Jesus said he was going to spit it out of his mouth, implying that he was going to vomit because it was disgusting. It was useless. Again, as self-sufficient and thriving and fashionable and healthy as Laodicea was, the essential resource to life, which is water, was missing, making them useless. 
In fact, in verse 17, Jesus considers them to be wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Harsh, but thankfully Jesus doesn't end it there. Although the city thrives, their well-being isn't in the physical and isn't in the physical things that they have, but rather the more meaningful spiritual counterparts. Those are the things that matter. And so, yes, Laodicea was prosperous, but Jesus offers them gold refined in a fire, white clothes and ointment for their eyes in the spiritual sense. You see, the gold that Jesus offers is gold refined in fire, illustrating a genuine faith in Jesus that withstands all trials and setbacks, like how real gold goes through a challenging process of being purified to its most valuable state of being 24 karat gold. The Laodicean, again, had a, f- had a famous black wool that they used to make garments with. But Jesus offers white clothes to cover their shame with purity and perfection. More importantly, to, uh, Jesus' purity and, per- and perfection uh, covers us when we wear these white clothes. And lastly, the Laodicean had an eye ointment to prevent disease. But Jesus offers spiritual ointment in the, in, in the spiritual eye, in, in the form of the Holy Spirit, to guide them in life. And up to this point, again, Jesus is pretty harsh, but he shifts his tone in verse 19 by saying this, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Although the church was found to be useless at the beginning of the passage, Jesus explains the point of his correction and discipline that and, and this explains that it is rooted in love and transitions by offering a solution of how they could be useful in the next part of verse 19. And here's the solution. To repent. To repent is a change of mind that results in a change of action. Let me repeat that again. Repent is a change of mind that results in a change of action. And for Christ followers, when we repent, it means we change our mind from rejecting Christ to having faith in Christ. You see, the Leo, 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 I'm struggling with the name, Laodiceans rejected Christ, there we go, by clinging on to their physical wealth, fashion, and well-being. But that could only do so much. They needed to change their minds to understand that their physical well-being was only temporary and they needed to focus on what would be eternal, what would be everlasting. And in repenting, Jesus encourages the Laodicean church to be earnest, meaning he desired the church to be excited, passionate, eager, and repenting. Jesus informs us that when we are earnest and repent, he will come and dine with us and sit with him at his throne. So if it's one thing we can learn from the Laodicean church, it's this. Self-sufficiency strays us to be useless. Repentance reroutes us to be useful. Let me say that again. Self-sufficiency strays us to be useless. Repentance reroutes us to be useful. So what does this mean for you and I? 
I want you to take a second and consider how God uses you. How do you find yourself being used by God in the church, in your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, or with complete strangers in the community? If you find yourself being used by God in any or all of these settings, I encourage you, continue to earnestly repent and turn to God. And if you find yourself not being used by God, I encourage you to begin repenting. Consider this as a starting place for repentance. And according to Martin Lloyd-Jones, this is what repentance looks like. Repentance means that you realize that you are a guilty, vile sinner in the presence of God, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God, that you are hellbound. It means that you begin to realize that this thing called sin is in you, that you long to get rid of it, and that you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost the world in its mind and outlook, as well as its practice, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. Your nearest and dearest, and the whole world may call you a fool or say that you have religious mania. You may have to suffer financially, but it makes no difference. This is repentance. This definition of repentance might feel a bit harsh, I know, but consider some of the things we do to make ourselves better, like decluttering, being financially stable, or physically fit. It stems from acknowledging that there is an issue that needs to be addressed, and although we have to face the harsh reality of owning the issue, it is a part of the process to progress. Similarly, Acknowledging the harsh reality that sin is in us and that we need to turn away from it, we need to repent from it, is God's desire for us to experience being perfect as he is, imper as he is perfect. 